Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast, brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. It's early 2021 and after a festive season with too much food and not enough riding, we thought we'd record a five-part series on how to get back into shape at the start of the year. We've three guests joining us with expertise spanning strength, fitness and nutrition for both road and mountain bikers. The series starts with Ben Plenger from The Strength Factory, who'll talk us through why strength and conditioning is important in episode one, before giving us some tips on how to get stronger for riding in episode two. This will be followed by performance coach Tom Bell, who'll look at ways of measuring your fitness in episode three, and then how to set goals and training plans in episode four. Finally, Alan Murchison joins us in episode 5. He's a Michelin-starred chef who's worked with athletes such as Eleanor Barker and Alex Dowsett, and he'll talk to us about nutrition and fueling your rides. The series runs each Friday from the 15th of January, and all the information, including relevant links, will be on Bike Radar, updated each week. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Tom Marvin, uh, one of the technical editors at Bike Radar, and with me today is Ben Plenge. So you're uh, the Strength Factory coach, is that right, Ben? Give us a bit of background on who you are and what you do. Hey, Tom. Yeah, Happy New Year. Yeah, like you said, Ben Plenger, based down here in Bristol, and for the last six years, I've been running the Strength Factory. So I work as a performance coach, strength coach, adult PE instructor, whatever you want to call it, to people in action sports, but with the vast majority of my clients being mountain bike and motocross racers. Okay, so you're a mountain biker yourself, is that right? Oh yeah, since the since the mid nineties, a long time okay. ago. There was a bit of a break in bit of a break in the middle there for the army, uh, but then for the last sort of decade, oh, eleven years now, actually fully back on the mountain bike program, spending too much. Uh, time and money and thought on it. <laughs> so you were army then beforehand. What what kind of army were you? I, I don't really understand army stuff. Uh, who does? Uh, yeah, so I was in the infantry, Tom, in the Princess Wales's Royal Regiment. So they're a regiment that recruits from the southeast of England. Um, I was an officer. So yeah, in the end, I was a captain by the time I left. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you sort of went around the world doing that, I presume. Was it a pretty? Uh... Yeah, I got to go 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 on lots lots of uh, lots of trips and stuff. Yeah, Iraq, Afghanistan, and then some more chilled out places as well. Okay, I mean, we're going to talk today about sort of more the uh, strength and conditioning side uh, side of mountain biking and, and physical strength. Um, obviously, um, you know your stuff on that. Was did a lot of the background knowledge from that come from those army days, or is that something you've developed since, or? Not really. I think it was those those uh, army days in my 20s where the love of fitness and training really came from. And mm-hmm. then, you know, because when I think back a bit to how I used to train in the gym, like in my own time, I mean, in a way I cringe a little bit, but in a way I was like, well, I had big arms and stuff, which is what I wanted. <laughs> so it can't have been that bad, you know, and my arms didn't fall off. But um, it was really then the knowledge really came afterwards uh, when I then got my initially my personal training qualification, which you know they're a tick in the box really. The real knowledge comes from doing the job, and then from further courses and reading, and then you know my last 
11 years experience now of coaching people in different mm-hmm. ways. Okay, and, and the people you coach, are you, do you concentrate on, on amateurs or do you have pro athletes or...? Ah, yeah, all sorts actually. So I've got um, a pretty strong stable of riders for the 2021, if it happens, race season. I guess mm-hmm. my my biggest name is uh, I, I'm Win Masters coach now, which is really pretty cool. He's moved to the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you not know? No, I did not. That's great. And I th- I thought you followed me on Instagram, Tom. I mean, Come I do, on. but I follow right, so um, many people. <laughs> uh, uh, you have to bump me up top of your feed. I'll, I'll speak I to will. you later. Um, yeah, so Win Masters, which is pretty sick. He lives in the UK now, um, which is great. Um, and then Joe Smith as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I sporadically, when she needs something, work with Vero Sandler as well, Veronique Sandler, who's pretty big time. And then I've got some, mm-hmm. you know real fast enduro races as well so down here in bristol area i've got fergus ryan chris hutchins and then up in scotland christo gallagher who's really quick and lewis buchanan you know ex ews oh, okay. pro and now youtube i guess i'd call him a vlogger but yeah. yeah and then loads of um loads of weekend warriors as well like a real uh-huh. mixture and you know age group riders as well you know i've got the i coach Dan Bishop, who most of you won't have heard of, but he is pretty consistently the fastest, like um, over fifty enduro racer in the country, and significantly faster than most people in vets and even masters. But yeah, so a real range. Okay, and do they, um, you know, the, that big range of riders that pose quite different um, requirements of, of your training regimes, or are they all sort of pretty much the same kind of thing that you would yeah, get so, all of them to do? Yeah, that's, that's a good point. So the principles that govern how you approach your training remain the same. You know, I've got my broad approach and then it's the individual circumstances that determine how you apply the principles and which methods you use. So obviously for a full-time pro, they've got all the time in the world, possibly years and years of training age um, and things like that. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got maybe a 40-year-old dad of two who works a nine-to-five. So the principles that govern their training are the same because we're trying to get to a similar end point. But how you implement it is very different, both with the amount of training that those two people can do um, and also like the intensity and the progression and things like that, what you can expect of them. Okay. In the next, we're doing two podcasts with you, so the next one will be out um, in a week's time. Um, in this podcast, we sort of really wanted to talk about why strength and conditioning is so important for cycling. I guess with a, a vague focus on mountain biking, but you know, we'd, we'll probably try and touch on some of the road cycling aspects of that too. But yeah. the next podcast that we're going to do together will be a bit more specific on um, how one can train, get stronger. Um, you know, some of the techniques that are there, the equipment needed, um, training plans. So we'll discuss that um, effectively next week. Um, but yeah, this week. So why, in in the broadest sort of sense, why are why is it important to, you know, do some strength and conditioning coaching and, and training um, for cycling in general? Okay, so I'm going to answer that by starting with the classic thing that has appeared about a million times in my comments after podcasts and articles. 
And okay. in no doubt, every time you probably on bike radar do a strength training bit in the gym, and someone always chirps in. Do you know what they say, Tom? Go on. They say, "Just ride your bike more." Okay, which I love, obviously, when they do that. Um, and so, <laughs> apart from the physical benefits of it, the thing that I always come back to is when they say "ride your bike more." Is that mm. you can do strength training in half hour to an hour, you know, 40, 45 minutes is fine um, at home without getting mm-hmm. wet and muddy and having to leave or in your lunch break at the gym around the corner or after work before you get on the bus home or or cycle home or whatever. And there's, for a start, you know, fitting it in, you can fit it in a lot of places where you can't necessarily fit in a ride. So that's kind of what I say to those guys. And then there's the the physical facts is that, you know, the science is pretty clear, Tom, that by improving strength, you can improve your performance, okay? Mm. So, uh, and that doesn't just mean for the shorter, more explosive things, a stronger athlete will also see improvements in their endurance riding and things like that. And Mm. then if we take it to more of a a mountain bike, because obviously that applies to the road as well, take it more to the mountain bike. Um, and obviously you've got the demands of descending primarily where you're stood up out of the saddle, holding your body weight. And then it's all about holding a posture and a riding position. So if your mountain bike fans will think, you know, just look at how someone like G Atherton or Aaron Gwynn's or, or whoever, those top guys, look at how they ride and how strong they have to be. They're absolutely mm-hmm. rock solid under the G-forces and the the compressions and the stress that that puts through them. And we experience that as well, just to a lesser degree, because we're on the brakes all the time compared to them. Speak for yourself, Um, Ben. Speak for yourself. So, yeah, yeah. So is is your 20, 21 years resolution not to break any more then, Tom? (laughs) That's it, yeah. Death grip all the way. Death grip. Giving it up along with biscuits and booze. But, yeah. (laughs) That's it. Um, Just loosen them off, loosen them off. Um, what was I saying? So yeah, that strength helps you to maintain that riding position, okay? And when we think about riding position in a seated sense as well, mm-hmm. both on the road bike and the mountain bike, the, the real thing, especially these days with the amount of time everyone spends sitting down, hunched over phones and laptops and driving, is that if you're using a good strength program that includes some upper body work, some mobility work, part of that is going to be looking to improve and maintain your posture of your upper back, your shoulders and your neck and all of that area there. And that, especially for roadies who are sat the whole time, is going to have a massive effect on your ability to spend a long time on the bike, to be comfortable on the bike and also to breathe effectively on the Mm -hmm. bike. Because if your posture is compromised and rounded forwards at the shoulders, then no matter what you think, you cannot breathe effectively. Okay, And a good strength program, strength and mobility program, will help to address that in most cases to improve and open that posture and allow you to breathe and function properly. And so, you know, if I'm trying to sell strength training to a roadie, yes, you can get stronger legs and core and hips and that can improve 
you know, your endurance and stuff like that. But a lot of them don't like it because they don't want to have sore legs and miss a ride. I get it. But it's that upper back and postural work where I think um, that's where a lot of road cyclists in particular can make some real gains that can have a very tangible effects on their riding performance. Is that something that is fairly well recognised, do you think, in, in road cycling? Or, or is there just an acceptance that road cyclists in particular, and to some extent mountain bikers, are going to have that hunch thing and it's just sort of swept mm. under the carpet? Yeah, so I don't know too much about the trends in road cycling, so I don't really follow it. I know mm. what I see out and about, and outside of cycling... I know what I see as well every time. Well, when we when we were allowed to go in public, of course, uh, you know, you you are seeing this epidemic of the, and I don't want to sound like I'm scaremongering, but the that rounded forward posture, and then the chin is pushed forward, and you've got that big angle at the neck, and you know, like neck and upper back pain is the new lower back pain. It is is what they're sort mm. of saying. You know, it's like the new low back is the neck, um, and that then you take that onto the road bike and yet you know what if you're in a really aggressive you know let's say you're uh uh yeah that classic middle-aged male cyclist you know mm. and you're trying to re reclaim your your younger years when you were a cat two or whatever it was or you were like the quickest guy in your village and so you know that the position maybe is a little racier than it should be for your current level of fitness and mobility and you're cramming yourself on and you're all like hunched over. And I think I think half the time, the, you know, get a gravel bike and sit up a bit more and have a better posture. And you may be less aero, but at least you better breathe. But maybe I'm sound like I'm ranting. But <laughs> <laughs> when, when we talk about mobility, what, what, what are you covering off there? What, what does that mean? Okay, so mobility and flexibility are really closely entwined. But... Be having mobility in like a joint, let's say your shoulder, uh, means that you can put your arm in a certain position, which is flexibility, but then you've got some element of strength in that position, which is right. mobility. So if I were to, um, let's have a think, lie just on the floor and a physio came along and like grabbed my arm and moved it around in all different positions. And they, they'd say, oh, okay, that's what that arm can do. That's how flexible it is. But mm. if I can't put my arm in those positions under my own steam using, you know, my own strength, then I don't have the mobility in that joint as well. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And so is mobility almost uh, as or more important than than flexibility when it comes to cycling i'd say in general uh i i I steer clear of sweeping statements sure um except about donald trump and brexit but we'll leave (laughs) that um i would say as as a general rule it's mobility is more important than flexibility full stop with probably a few caveats i'm sure someone Mm -hmm. can think of Okay, and, and if you were to, if, if I was to have um, one of your training plans um, that you, you've designed, is that something that's going to be worked on then, my mobility as much as sort of individual? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So working on mobility for the mountain biker or the road cyclist or any, anyone who rides a bike comes in in different places and different times. So there's a, 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 there's a specific time where you may put aside 
10 or 15 minutes in the morning or evening or whenever to specifically work on some mobility. It may be on your hips or your posture or wherever. So it's a very specific session where you know what you need to do. There's also maybe doing a pre-ride warm-up, which may include some mobility moves. Now, these short mobility exercises aren't really going to make a big difference to your long-term mobility, but they may help you to be in a better, more comfortable position when you get on your bike five, mm-hmm. 10, 15 minutes later. Okay. Um, and so that, and then there's mobility as part of a, a strength training session as well, where you maybe include some in the warm up. And also, there are plenty of strength exercises that really double up as mobility as well, you know, where whether it's like a, you know, Romanian deadlift or something like that, without getting too much in the weeds, you know, which is a like a stiff leg deadlift, if you're not sure what that is. Um, that is like a heavily loaded mobility, you know, for a lot of people. And you can use those exercises to improve your strength, but also the range of motion and mobility there. Okay. When you look at, you know, your mountain biking clients, especially when they're uh, new to you, what um, areas of sort of strength or mobility in general do you think we as cyclists tend to lack? Yeah, so the the two places that show up loads, because everyone who starts with me, they go through a mobility screen where I assess their mobility. And it is that that upper back and shoulders. So basically, think of it as your ability to put your arms overhead, you know, like straight up in the air, like make yourself like a like you're diving in a swimming pool. Their ability to put their arms overhead without arching their back or lifting their ribs or anything else weird like that. They should be able to just go straight up overhead with your back flat and your ribs tucked in. That's the first mm-hmm. one that you see all the time. And that's across all the anyone I train, like loads of people come in lacking there. And then the other one as well, the classic one is hip flexors being a bit tight is well one way to put it, but basically a bit restricted in the hip flexor there, the front of the hip, um, because we spend too long sitting down. And then our sport of cycling doesn't do anything to to reverse yeah. that as well. Because, you know, if, if you don't know what the hip flexor is, basically it's where your muscles connect from your legs across the front of your hip, effectively. And so when you are seated, your hip flexors are shortened, okay? And then you're seated for eight hours behind a desk and then driving an hour each way pre-lockdown and then you go riding on the weekend for a few hours where the whole time your hip flexors are shortened over time there we get into this position where we've got some tightness around the hip flexor that's probably going to affect your pelvis and how how that sits as well which can then have effects on things like your lower back in Mm -hmm. day-to-day life and when you're riding a bike so these are the two that show up again and again If we were looking at, um, let's say, post-training plan, let's say you've got your rider sort of up to what you consider sort of a strength, where they're sort of, I guess, maintaining their strength and, and their conditioning, what sort of um, what sort of physique, what sort of um, attributes is that rider going to have who's in sort of like a really good physical position? Obviously, strong legs, um, but mm. what else? Yeah, you know what? It, Big question, maybe. I was trying to... <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. I was chatting to someone about this the other day about you know what what things you can expect from a from a pro rider, and that's one of the things. And I can only talk about mountain biking here, not road cycling. I'm afraid mm. that's one of the things that makes the sport of mountain biking so interesting. Is that it is certainly for downhill and enduro, which I work in. It's still heavily a skill-dominated sport, and it's fascinating how two very different riders can ride at the same level and get to that level through very different ways. You know, one can be very like lean and sinewy, a bit more diesel-y, uh, you know, rather than a bigger, stronger, more powerful rider. I mean, just look at the World Cup top 30, you know, the size and shapes and of, of the riders. And it's a lot harder to categorise, I think, what a top pro looks like and, and the things they can do. Because I've seen riders with really good, you know, good squats and deadlifts and the sprint is average. And then you see someone with a really good sprint and, you know, they've just got all this power in their legs and the squatting and, and deadlifting and that sort of thing is really quite average. You know, it doesn't always, you know, and then obviously you work on it and you try and bring everything up a bit. But yeah, I mean, the well-rounded, the well-prepared rider is the one who, and I'm not really answering your question, I'm, I'm being a bit annoying, but it's the one who has uh, maximised their natural strengths, their natural talents, and who's minimised their weaknesses and, yeah, who, you know, in their in their riding and in their physicality. When it comes to sort of having a rider who is, you know, plenty strong and the strength and conditioning side of um, their training, how important is it when it comes to things like uh, injury prevention? Um, you know, mountain biking is... It might not be like a high impact sport like running is where there's constant pounding, but, you know, there's a lot of different forces going through the body. There's a lot of requirements to, you know, like the, the press up sort of element of landing a, a big drop or whatever is, is fairly significant. Um, so injuries are obviously a massive um, risk in mountain biking. Strength and conditioning he helps towards what the recovery, the prevention, that sort of side of things. Yeah, all of the above, Tom. So, yeah, so thinking about injuries, there's what you'd call maybe the overuse type injuries from just that repetitive motion of like turning the pedals. So not from falling off basically. And again, if you do a well-designed strength program, then you can minimize the risk of that. You know, if you keep your, your hips nice and strong, and if you do some work on a single leg and things like that, then there's every chance that you can do a better job of looking after your knees, for instance. Whereas if you never do that stuff, then, you know, maybe your knees are a little more vulnerable. And then there's, yeah, you're riding a gnarly track and maybe you huck it to flat or you come up short. Well, maybe the stronger rider absorbs that and does that press up on the bars, but holds on. Uh, and it's not very fun, but you ride it out where the weaker rider blows through, their, their posture collapses and end up with the stem like jammed into their ribs and then they're over the bars and then they're on, yeah, Friday fails or something. Not that I got on that <laughs> website. I'm only on, I'm only on bike radar. Um, so, you know, so the stronger rider potentially can make the save more times than the weaker rider. And then let's take it to the next step. Then let's say you haven't saved it. You completely run out of talent and you're flying through the air that at some point it's not injury 
um, prevention, it's injury reduction, hopefully, mm. sometimes, you know. No, you don't want to be absolutely massive and hench, especially if you're having to pedal up the hills, but a bit of muscle is quite effective body armour, you know. Okay. Um, and also, if we talk about um, that mobility again, in particular with the shoulder, that ability to be strong with your arms kind of overhead, that's your classic over-the-bars Superman position, isn't it? And mm-hmm. if you're weak in that position, if you have restricted mobility in that position, then when you're <laughs> flying like a lawn dart over the, over the bars, like the person who's stronger with better mobility has got a better chance of absorbing that energy and not breaking or ripping or snapping anything than the the rider with less. Um, And then the final one is that despite what I've said, despite all your hard work, everything's gone tits up and you drew yourself into the floor and you end up in ambulance or whatever. You've broken your arm, your leg, your collarbone. The, The science, the medical science is entirely, it's crystal clear, Tom, that the rider or the person or the athlete who was stronger with the most muscle tone in the first place is the one who will recover better. Um, right. It's as simple as that. So, yeah, do your press-ups, kids. <laughs> the, the, the strength and conditioning, is that um, therefore must play heavily into the recovery from injuries as well? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and that's, it's a massive part of the mental comeback as well, you know. So it's really easy to focus you know, I've worked with so many people who've broken a collarbone or wrist or whatever, and they're bummed because they can't ride their bike. And it's easier to then focus on all the other things you can't do, like, oh, I can't do a press-up, I can't do that. So the first thing is you need to focus on what you can do, you know. What can I do? Well, you break your arm, well, you know what, you're going to have bloody strong legs in six weeks, you know, because we can do a lot of leg work. And we guess what, we can work the other arm as well we can work your core we can be imaginative we can use different bits of kit we can use bands we can use body weight there's always a way to get something done and that Mm -hmm. is going to keep you sane prevent you losing gains and also you know let's say you've broken your arm it's kind of fascinating but if you train the other arm effectively then it will actually reduce the muscle and strength loss in the injured arm most most Mm -hmm. of the time Okay, which is pretty cool. I think the body's amazing. Yeah, and when it when it comes to little things that um, you know, I say in the next podcast we are going to talk about more specifics on how you know maybe I could get a bit stronger, whatever it is. But um, are there any sort of like quick fixes, little tips, and and, and what about sort of warming up pre ride as well? Can you sort of give us any sort of suggestions of easy things that we can do to kind of make our lives a little bit easier without necessarily going into a full blown sort of workout? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So pre-ride warm-up, I would suggest for anyone who rides a bike and the higher the level you want to ride the bike, the more important it is. And the more time you spend seated and the older you are, I'd also say the more important it is. So if you're riding after work and your work is behind a desk all day, then don't expect to just get on a bike and feel good and perform well. You know, you you need to change something there. So... There's two parts to it, really. There's if you if you can, then and if you've got the space and the time, then even if it's half hour before, you know, before you get in the car to go to drive to ride or whatever, just a little mobility does go a long way. You know, whether it's a little hip flexor 
mobility, uh, sitting down in a deep squat, uh, maybe using like a rubber band to sort of open up your posture or just, you know, leaning against the wall and with your hands on the wall and dropping, dropping your chest down just to really think about opening that closed down posture, you know, mm-hmm. so we can breathe better as I spoke about. And then more so for mountain biking, you know, thinking about the, you know, descending, but also technical climbing, just move, you know, now I've got, in fact, going way back, I, I did some bike radar videos with a pre-ride warm up. I'm sure you can find a link. Yeah. Uh, if you look back at that. Um, and I've done several of those videos, both for, for my own clients and for, for you and stuff like that. And they're all kind of the same, but different. All you need to do is it doesn't need to be complicated. It's just think about moving every joint in every direction. Okay. And, and there's a, there's a pretty effective warm up. So swing your legs forwards, swing them a bit sideways, move your hips a bit round and round. Imagine you're allowed to go out on a Friday night, you know, <laughs> get those hips going, get a little gentle rotation, turn your head from side to side, swing the arms around. And you think, but that's just like, that's too simple. Like, but simple's good. Simple means you'll probably do it. Simple means you can do it anywhere without any kit. So mm. just move everything in every direction. If it hurts, stop don't do it if it feels good oh that feels really good and do some more of it you know people mm-hmm. get too hung up on all the oh but i read that you shouldn't stretch before a ride and all this well you know what if having a stretch makes you feel good before a ride then do it you know that's that's why i approach it i'm pretty pragmatic about these things i yeah. think people get too hung up on nonsense details and they need to listen to what their body's telling them and what about a little warm down post ride? Um, I, I'm terrible for doing any of this. Like I never stretch, I never warm up, I never warm down. Mm. I think I have, I've got away with it so far, almost, but only almost. How old are you, Tom? I'm, I'm a, a ripe old. How old am I? Thirty one in about two weeks' time. Three weeks' time. Thirty four. <sighs> Sorry, thirty four. I can't even count. Thirty four. Thirty one. Thirty four. That's three years <laughs> out. Mean, you had a good New Year, Christmas, didn't you? I don't know where thirty one came from. Thirty four in about three weeks' time. <laughs> 31 is aspirational yeah mate to be honest I'd give it another year by the time you're 35 you're going to be regretting that you need to get Past on the program um, <laughs> cool down at the end so the most important part of the cool down is for my money is bringing down the heart rate gradually so right. if you've been out smashing some intervals on any type of bike or just on a hard ride you don't want to like ex- explode through onto your driveway with your heart rate still at 160, oh, great wide, you know, smashed it, hashtag beast mode. Actually, that's how you need to be 10 or 15 minutes out from home or, mm. or if you're on the, the Watt bike or the indoor trainer. You don't want to finish like that. It's really important to bring the heart rate down gradually and have a good five or 10 minutes at the end at that aerobic or slightly below aerobic intensity just to flush out the legs, you know, otherwise the next time you get on the bike, you feel like rubbish. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's the most important thing. And that's also the case for when I think about all my favourite places to ride mountain bikes, you nearly always park at the bottom of the hill, Tom, don't you? And we've all done it. You you just drop the final run. And even though you're not pedaling, you get to bottom and maybe your legs are burning and you've done 10 runs and you're buzzing and you're all out of breath and it's all just fist bumps and bum slaps and then you get in the van but actually what you need to do 
is and yeah, I sound like a right killjoy, but yeah, take ten minutes and spin the legs out around the car park, and then mm-hmm. oh, have a recovery shake. How about that? And then yeah, <laughs> you can get in a van. Then you're allowed to go home. Wicked. Okay. Well, um, before we sort of wrap this one up, um, obviously. If people do want to get a bit stronger and, and fitter and stuff, there's a lot of strength and conditioning information out there, and there's plenty of resources. But um, so the 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 service that you run, you're you're a, well, I guess a professional personal trainer. Um, what sort of resources are there out there? You know, including sort of the stuff that you do as well. Yeah, Time so for you to give yourself a bit of a plug, Ben. Basically, happy that oh, I reckon I can manage <laughs> that, Tom. So yeah, so. We'll bang some links in below this as normal score. But yeah, first of all, if you are in the Bristol area in the southwest of England, then COVID allowing, the gym is open for mountain bikers to come and see me where I can assess you. I can produce programs. You know, you don't have to come and see me all the time. Or you can come and see me every week or twice a week. I've got loads of things like your normal face-to-face coaching available. Uh, And then the other thing I do... It's very pertinent at the moment with us being in lockdown in the UK is I've got a bodyweight strength program, which is geared to mountain bikers. Um, I have had quite a few roadies use it over the years. I just tell them just do a little less upper body um, Mm -hmm. if if they want to, but actually, you know, strong is strong. Um, And then the main online product that I have for mountain bikers is called the Complete MTB program. So that is, as the name suggests, it ticks all your boxes. So you've got your gym-based training. Now, the gyms are shut, which is a bit annoying. Um, and you've also got mobility. You get yoga once a week. It's not me doing it. You'll be glad to hear. Um, <laughs> you get your on-bike endurance. You get intervals. It's all HD videos. It's app-based. So it's just your program's just in your pocket, ready to go the whole time. Um, and we'll bang a link up to that in the in the show notes below this and if anyone's got any questions about the podcast today anything i said then i'll make sure i scour the comments after this uh, episode or you can just drop me drop me an email or give me a shout on instagram strength uh, strength factory underscore coach okay and where, where do we find you on the internet the strength factory dot uk everyone tries to add a co in there but there isn't it's just uk the domain it was on special offer tom what can i say <laughs> what can you say i found you very easily actually i googled the strength factory um and thank god you came up as the first result so your seo is cool. on i think nice yeah i think there's a gym up north somewhere called strength factory as well hi to those guys if they're listening um yeah happy days well um yeah, there we, thank you very much for your time there, Ben. I think it's um, yeah, really handy, really sort of informative. So um, hopefully, if you know, if our listeners are um, interested in improving their strength and fitness, you know, check out Ben's uh, Ben's company, the uh, Strength Factory Coach. It's well worth a little look. You've got some videos. I know you've, you, you're on YouTube. You've done plenty of bits and pieces around the place as well with lots of information out there. And um, do check it out. And also, don't forget to uh, you know tune in next Friday because we are going to do another pod. Um, on a bit more specific on how to get stronger at home and in the gym. Um, and if you are interested in getting a little bit fitter, a little bit faster um, in January, um, this is part of a five-part series. We're also talking to uh, a chef and nutritionist who's worked with some of the big pro teams, um, as well as uh, another coach who's got a, perhaps a slightly more... Uh, he's going to talk about the numbers that you need to know if you're looking at more power-based training, 
um, and also how to stay motivated through uh, cold, dark lockdown here in the UK. Um, but yeah, thank you very much, Ben. Um, and we will speak to you. Well, I'll speak to you in about a minute, um, but we'll hear from you again in about a week's time. Hey, thanks very much. Cheers, guys. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com. Bye.